Okay. Good morning. Oh, sorry. Good afternoon. We are in our last um, uh, session of this uh, three three messages on prayer, and I just wanted to do a recap with you. But before that, I, I'm really looking forward to next week because you know those of you who have been practicing prayer, you know the most important lessons you learn about prayer is when you pray. And next, next week, that's what we're going to do. There's, there's enough of uh, theology and uh, doctrine or indoctrination, uh, etc. And next week, we really want to have a great time of uh, worship and prayer. And I'm really looking forward to that. So this, this is the close-up. And I just want to do a short recap with you that we started with Pastor Kokfai speaking about the prayer of Moses, right? From Psalm 90. And the gist of it, if you can't remember, is how a prayer can sometimes bring us to unimaginable places beyond our wildest imagination. Because um, in that message, the uh, uh, pastor was saying that it, it was probably when, when Moses was just an uh, unknown shepherd. And then when he prayed, and then the next thing, he was deliverer of Israel, templates, etc. So how our prayer can move things and move us to unimaginable places. And then last week, we had... Uh, uh, Edwin speak to us and how he encouraged us that prayer changes things. It doesn't just change ourselves. There's nothing wrong with prayer changing us. But prayer changes things. And it debunks the myth that prayer only changes ourselves or our hearts. Prayer changes God's mind. There is nothing blasphemous about God changing His mind. God does not change His character. But God certainly has displayed in Scripture, He listens to us and He changes His mind. And uh, that, that was what we have uh, last week. And I honestly believe in my own life, and I, I, I suppose in yours, we have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask not. So that was the, the message I got from Edwin uh, last week. This, um, this week we're going to study Paul. And yesterday, I was driving my daughter somewhere, and she was telling me about home economics and how her, 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 her home economics required her to uh, make uh, macaroni cheese. And I, I'm not an authority on macaroni cheese. But she was just telling me that, you know that, sometimes it may look like macaroni cheese, it may feel like macaroni cheese, but it's not macaroni cheese. Uh, it, it, it turned out flat. And uh, we, we were just talking about how important it is to get the ingredients right. right. How important it is to get the ingredients right. And today we study Paul, a prayer of Paul, because we want to get the ingredients right. We're not going to chant Paul's prayer. We're not here to learn how to mimic somebody's prayer or copy. Those of us who know that our relationship with God is a personal one and you have relationships in your life, you know, none of those relationships are scientific. A lot of them are about understanding each other. And so we're not, we're not going to look at formulas today, but we're going we're gonna to analyze Paul's prayer for the key ingredients that this man of God um, prayed in, in, in one of his prayers. Inefficient one, okay? We're going to analyze it. We're not going to be, we're not going to analyze until paralyzed, but we want to analyze it so that we can learn how and what to pray. 
So let me just, uh, this, this is the passage we're going to look at. And let me just read it to you. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Some of you in your NIV Bibles have that, that last part, which is a bit confusing, the knowledge of Him. It reads, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that you may know Him better. That makes it uh, a lot plainer. The spirit, Paul prays for the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. What is, what is wisdom? Again, this is a conversation I have with my, my, my kid uh, in my car again. I, I talk to them a lot in the car. And uh, there, are, there are more than, uh, there's more than once uh, my children tell me uh, studying is futile. Uh, it is useless. It is a waste of time. Uh, of course, I don't agree with them. Right? I, I, I encourage them that um, it is cultivation. In Proverbs, uh, you read that somebody says, you better tender to your flock. You better know the condition of your flock because your flock is going to be the one that will give you the wool and the milk and the meat in, in tough days. So you cultivate it. And those of us who have been through this know that studying is not futile. There is a purpose to it. It's an investment. There is a dividend, a reaping that you will get one day as you clock in the hours. So that's what I, what I uh, talk to my uh, uh, kids about. Uh, the other discussion we usually have is around the condition of their table or their desk and um, where I encourage them that reasonable organization, not excessive organization, huh? reasonable organization of your desk uh, will lead to time savings uh, because you won't have to spend so much time looking for your keys, your handphone, your stapler, or your highlighter. Right, reasonable organization. Why do, I, why do I raise these two simple examples? Because it tells you that wisdom is the understanding of the true nature of things. That's how I would define wisdom. Understanding the true nature of things. So, so a, a wise person with the years uh, of experience will tell you that, hey, the true nature of studies and exams is this. Whereas, uh, uh, maybe a, a person who's struggling in immaturity will tell you that looking at what it is, this horrible geography map or whatever it is, uh, uh, is just futile, right? The true nature of things. And it is, it is the maturity of thought. That is wisdom. The maturity of thought. The ability to see beyond the here and now. That's how I would define wisdom. So if you're not, if you're not very comfortable with my family mundane examples, uh, I can give you some biblical illustrations, right? The disciples were obviously worried about their livelihood when they followed Jesus because this, this guy didn't look like he had much. He didn't look like he had an enterprise or a company or MNC uh, with him. So when they worried, Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, but your Father in heaven uh, takes care of them. How much more precious are you? So, that developing of the thought process, you get what I mean? Jesus was also teaching them. 
that, hey, the true nature of things, look at the true nature of things, let me develop your thought process, look at the birds of the air, reason it out. The other one is in Romans, that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Why will he withhold good things from you? It doesn't make sense. So Paul is also teaching us that. So these are, these are illustrations in the Bible of wisdom, the maturity of thought. And so that is what Paul is praying for God to grant to the Ephesians. Please grant them wisdom, the ability to see beyond the here and now. God grant them the maturity of thought to think and to process things God's way that they can see things God's way. Then now I'll give you a negative example. Exodus 16 and 17 are, are good for contrasting. You can go home and read. Exodus 16 is when God fed them with manna, which is miraculous food, right? We can't find manna today, right? And Exodus 16 ends with God telling Aaron and Moses, put this manna in a jar and put it next to the law and put it in the ark. Why? Because I... You, these guys need to remember that the Lord provides supernaturally. So I put it in. Um, chapter 17, I don't know how, how much time has elapsed between chapter 16 and chapter 17, but if you read chapter 17, they came to this place called, they left the desert of Sin, which is a good place to leave, and they came to this place called Meribah. And when they came to Meribah, they said, oh, sorry, no water, right? This place has no water. And what do they do? They got so upset that the Bible tells us uh, they wanted to stone Moses and Aaron. So this is again a negative display, I feel, of no wisdom. The inability to see beyond the immediate circumstances. No maturity of thought. All they cared about was the here and now. And that is not wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to see beyond. And the moral answer for the situation in Maribah, I would say, would have been, if God has provided nothing, something out of nothing, as in manner, we will trust Him that we will discover water as we go along. That would have been wisdom. But the lack of wisdom would lead to them ranting and raving. So again, what Paul is praying is God grant them wisdom, grant them maturity in their thought, their way of processing things in the mind. Another example I can think of would be marriage. Paul actually says, guys, I really think that getting married is not such a good idea. Right? You can read that in the in Scripture. Why? Because he says the time is short and the reality of life is if you see things God's way, you want to be totally devoted to doing these things. And those of us who are married, including me, know that when you get married, uh, you get distracted. I mean, there are other things to take care of, right? One life is complex enough. Imagine two, then three more children. It's five times complexity, right? And, and, and that's what Paul was saying. But of course, to be fair, Paul gave a caveat. But if you cannot take it, get married. Lah. Okay, that's what, that, 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 okay I, I won't paraphrase it like that. Lah. I don't want to make those who, feel, who are married feel bad. Um, but those of us who have been married for a while sometimes see or oftentimes see the wisdom of these words. I'm not saying I regret uh, marrying my wife. She's here. 
Uh, I'm just saying there's a lot of wisdom in this verse because this guy, this is a person who has processed and 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 thought through, right? Of course, those of you who are who are who are married already, let me just remind you: no way out, nah. You got to make it work, okay? Please don't quote Paul or quote me and say I'm going to squirm out of this. Uh, no, that's your choice. You got to make it make it work. But what I'm saying is, Paul also displays a maturity of thought, uh, a logic flow, and the wisdom of God. And then just show you in James three, it says, "Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure." Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. You can almost sense that a person who's like this uh, must have the ability to see beyond. Because those of us who are in the marketplace or in school or in, in the world, uh, you know how many people you can count with the hand whom you can describe as pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, Submissive is actually described in some versions as open to reason, willing to listen. Okay? Uh, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. The worldly among us, the cynical among us will say, if I'm like this in the marketplace, they'll have me for lunch. Right? I won't be able to survive. I'll lose my job. I better stab the guy before he stabs me. And that, that kind of, this kind of wisdom can only be there if you, are, if you have the ability to see beyond the career and beyond the here and now, that, that's what, that's what um, I believe Paul is praying for them. That God, I pray that these people in Ephesus and I believe in the church, he's praying for, God, I pray that they will have the wisdom to not just look at their here and now, but give them the ability to see beyond. Because you, what is the end game? The end game is that you may know God better. Have you heard of, heard of this thing where when, when two people are talking and they ask, are you on the same page? Meaning, are we in sync? Are we talking about the same thing? If you want to know someone, you've got to be on the same page. You have to be. You have to be on the same page. And, and that's what Paul is saying, that if you want to know God better, you have to look at life and the circumstances and relationships and people the way God sees them. You've got to be on the same page. Otherwise, there will always be divergence. I need to caveat here that I'm not talking about IQ. Okay, I'm not talking about how intelligent we need to be in order to be wise. I truly believe from my read of Scripture, it's got nothing to do with IQ. God calls us to accountability for the things that we know not for the things we don't know. Okay? So, if I know something and you don't, God calls me to accountability on that. It's, it's the one talent, two talent, ten talent person. God calls us to accountability with the things we know. Not about the things. So, it's not about IQ. It's not about the, 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 the really brilliant can figure this out. Better. No, I think the, the playing field is level regarding wisdom. It is the ability to look at your personal situation and see it the way God sees it. You all like to sing, break my heart for what breaks yours. Right? You like to, you like to sing that. No, 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 you like to sing that. You sing that. And uh, uh, it has got to be on the same page. How, to be, how, how does your heart get broken for somebody else's, what, what breaks somebody else's, unless you're on the same page. Unless you see, if, 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 if somebody cries because uh, 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 
uh, Liverpool losers or something, and, and I'm not a Liverpool fan, then it, it, we're not on the same page, right? Uh, it, I, my, I won't cry because it, it's like this. And so you've got to be on the same page with God and we've got to learn to see things uh, God's way. So that's the spirit of wisdom that he was praying for. The next thing he prayed for was... Um, oh, sorry. The spirit of revelation. The word is apocalypsis. Right? Just to impress you a bit with uh, some Greek. Um, and when, when the Bible talks about that, it gives us a, a sense of what that word means. What is the spirit of revelation? What is revelation? There are two instances where it says here in Romans 16.25 where Paul says at the end there that in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages. In other words, revelation is about mysteries, things unknown to us. Okay? Another one is the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man nor was I taught it Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus. So, wisdom is what? Wisdom is seeing the true nature of things, being able to see things God's way. Revelation refers to an unveiling, a disclosure, unveiling of a mystery. Let me give you an example. Paul, set in his ways, he was a Pharisee, he knew this way was right. God needed to give him the Damascus experience. God needed to give him a revelation. God needed to stop him in his tracks and say, bro, you're off. Right? God needed to do that. Another example. King David in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7 said, I live in such a wonderful palace. God lives in a tent. Something is wrong. I need to build God a palace, a, a, a temple, a nice one. And Prophet Nathan, a very wise man, said, Because the Lord is with you, do what is on your mind or what is on your heart. Wise words, I would say. You are walking with the Lord as the Lord prompts you for these things. Go ahead and do it. What happens at night? A vision comes to Nathan and God says, Not David. Solomon. I don't want David to build me a house. Solomon will build me a house. This one, uh, no wonder, no matter how Nathan does mental gymnastics and do mathematical calculations, uh, he will never be able to figure out. Right? This is not about an accurate read of things. There's no reading of these things. It is just a revelation. God told him, not David, Solomon. Daniel, last week, um, uh, Edwin told us, pray 21 days. Right? No perseverance. Uh, not, not no perseverance. No breakthrough. He persevered for 21 days. Then there was a revelation from the angel Gabriel and said, you know why it took 21 days and not 21 seconds? Because there was spiritual warfare. Right? Again, this is a revelation. So what is the spirit of revelation? Spirit of revelation is an additional element that Paul prayed for besides the spirit of wisdom. And what is that? While wisdom relates to living by what we know, the principles of God, the Word of God, the circumstances we see. Revelation refers to an unveiling of things we do not even know. 
as illustrated by the example Edwin gave last week about Jim Simbala, right? When he prayed for his daughter. How did it start? It was a girl who just went to the pastor and said, I think you should just stop this whole prayer meeting and pray for your daughter. This is not scientific calculation or, 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 or logic. This is probably the Lord revealed something to her and this is her telling the pastor and then there was a breakthrough in the daughter's life. And if you look at it, it's not so hocus-pocus, right? It is not so mysterious. I look at my relationship with my wife or we do a lot of these, um, what do you call, uh, pre-marriage counselling. And we have these couples that come to us and they draw their lifeline, the highlights in their life. And then we talk to them about uh, maybe it's good to let each other know your family background and uh, your relationships, your friends, how you see your parents and all that kind of thing. What, what is all that? that? That is wisdom because you are deciphering you are deciphering and discerning that, hey, based on this pattern of my future spouse's background, uh, I need to discern certain things, right? That maybe he or she will be very insecure about these things, very uncomfortable. That's why he's such a reserved person. That's why he struggles with this. Uh, so those are things that you can process and have wisdom. But I can tell you, even in my marriage today, there is revelation, there are things that uh, I find out about my wife or my wife. Wait, you say, huh? You like that one, man? Uh, it, it's like that. It's, it's true. I, I think in your own relationship, it will be like this. It's not like everything you figure out. With them. There is an unveiling, a, a, a disclosure. And that is usually from the other party. The other party chooses whether to disclose that to you. So it makes a lot of sense that when you want to know God better, you need to see things His way, but you also want to pray that he will reveal things about himself to you. It's, it's, it's very logical. And that's why Paul prays this for the Ephesians, that they would be able to know God by having a spirit of wisdom, seeing things God's way, being on the same page of, as, as God, but also praying to the Lord that, Lord, please show them the unseen things the things that they can't figure out themselves. Revelation, right? And that, that actually, I feel, is a good um, uh, balance to both sides of it. You need the spirit of wisdom. You also need to, sp- the, to pray for the spirit of revelation so that you can know God better. Sorry. Now, back to that prayer. Further on, it says, in that same vein, Paul prays, having the eyes of your hearts and like that. And this is very interesting, right? I don't know whether you, you are fascinated by this. Usually we pray that your hearts may be enlightened. But Paul says the eyes of your hearts. Incidentally, uh, Ben led us today in open the eyes of our heart. What in the world does that mean, right? And I believe it's this. The eyes is what we focus our attention on. The eye is where we get vision. And when Paul prays not just for the heart, but he prays for the eyes of your heart, he said, I pray that your heart will constantly gaze and behold these things that we're going to talk about. Right? So that's, that's why he's saying, I pray that your heart... And, and, and the other question you may have is, why not the eyes of the mind? Why the eyes of the heart. Not that the mind is not important, but we know that 
we many times know something and we don't do it, right? The things that we do is not necessarily always out of what we know in our mind. Paul knows that our decisions, the things that we do, is a matter of the heart. Let me give you an example. We all know it is no good to envy. Do you envy? You do. I don't know. Okay, I wouldn't say you do. Lah. I do. Right? Oh, uh, many times. Why? Because the heart is not just about the mind. The heart is what drives you. It is when, when the Bible refers to the heart, it comprises not just your ability to think, it also comprises your will and your emotions. And you know that your own decision-making process sometimes is quite hard to explain. It's always fun for me to ask people sometimes the reasoning behind their decisions. Because when the emotions and the will comes in, uh, uh, sometimes it is quite hard to explain to someone, especially for the, the first question we like to ask this pre-marriage. Uh, why do you uh, fall in love with him? And then they will be like, mm, well, then they think very long, and then the other party will be very upset. And, uh, but you know, it's not such a scientific question. It's not a checklist that, oh, uh, beautiful, smart, intelligent. No, I, I know it's, sometimes it's all that, but uh, it, it's a lot more complex than that. That's the heart. And Paul knows that when you want to go for someone, you don't go for the mind, you go for the heart. Because the heart is the thing that drives him. I pray that the heart, the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. To do what? That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Paul wrote this from prison. And it's very hard to talk to people about hope when you're in prison. And I believe it is, it is, it is in that context that he tells them, remember your destiny. Remember the hope to which God has called you. Now, if I ask you, what is the hope that God has called you to? What would you say? What is the hope to which God, God has called you? Now, if you don't know, you can go back and read Romans 5 and Romans 8. Okay? It has a lot of stuff. It has a lot of hope in there. Okay? It talks to us about hope. But the key thing that our hope is, is that hope of sonship that relationship with God. Who we are is a function of our relationship with God. And Paul is praying that that is the thing that your heart will constantly be beholding, be gazing at. Your heart will know that my destiny, my hope, I am clear in my heart. Not in my mind, but in my heart. Because he knows that if you are clear in your heart about your destiny, it will drive your decisions. I don't know um, how many of you read uh, this article about Dr. Tan Lai Yong in the Straits Times uh, a few days ago. And I just wanted to share this because it, 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 it probably illustrates this um, quite well. You know, when Dr. Tan Lai Yong, who was a missionary to China for about 14 years, when he and his wife uh, got married, the prayer 
he asked the, the, the solemnizer to pray for him. You know, it's not to be fruitful and multiply or, or whatever. But the prayer he asked for was a verse from the book of Proverbs. And it says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. So that's still okay, lah. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. He said the pastor was very surprised. He wanted this to be prayed over him uh, at his wedding. And he said that's probably one of the craziest things he's ever done. But he said, one of the, the things he said was, it set the tone for my life thereafter. It liberated me to step out of the box again and again. And this, this is a person, I believe, who knows who he is in Christ. So when he was in this um, Yunnan and he was doing this medical work for uh, kids, he needed 20000 a year for the work, right? And so some kind soul came to visit his work and said, you know what? I will give you 500000 Right? I'll give you 500000 Wow. 500000 is going to last him a long time. 500000 is going to help him expand his work a lot. But he politely declined. And what was his reason? He said, this sum was beyond what we can handle. We do best when we learn best. We do best when we learn. With a big bank account behind us, we may not learn so well. It, it's, it's very profound. And this is not a guy who has been in the mission field for 1.4 months. This is someone who has been in the mission field for 14 years. And I think, I think it, is, it, is, it is that that, that that inner conviction, that ability to know what is the hope to which He has called you. Have you lost a lot of uh, umbrellas before? I've lost a lot of umbrellas before. Uh, and you know why I lose umbrellas? Because every time I go to some place, uh, they'll tell me my wet umbrella I cannot bring in. Then they ask me to put it at that place, right? And um, when I leave, uh, I always forget it. So I've spent a lot of money on umbrellas. Um, but until yesterday. Yesterday, I remembered my umbrella. You know why? Because when I left, it was still raining. So, so most of the time, my problem is when I reach that place, it was raining. But when I leave, uh, it's not, no more raining. And, um, but yesterday, uh, when I left, it was still raining. And, and, and wh why am I using this example? Because many of our relationship with God sometimes can be described like the umbrella relationship. Right? Uh, it is very common. In fact, the Bible tells us that uh, many of us can testify that our relationship with God is strongest usually during uh, tough times. Usually during tough times. Usually during tough times, we remember who you are. You remember your destiny. You remember all these things. And the Bible affirms that. It says, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. So usually in those tough times, the hope to arise uh, is quite, is quite uh, possible. 
right? And quite, quite, quite normal. But the challenge sometimes is uh, when it's not tough times. How do you remember, how do you know and see the hope to which He has called you? You know why? Because during, during non-tough times, a lot of mini hopes come into our lives. A lot of mini agendas come into our life. And sometimes if we treat our relationship with God like an umbrella, um, it can be challenging when you have no need for the umbrella. Then you forget the destiny to which God has called you. I'm happy to re- report that although I have lost many umbrellas, I have never lost my son. I have never left a single one of my kids behind forgetting to, let's say, because I have three, maybe a lot, right? So maybe I forgot one. Uh, never. I've lost a lot of umbrellas, but I've never lost a kid. You know why? You probably know why. It's relationship, right? Where there is a relationship, you will never forget. Where it's just an object, like an umbrella, uh, we will forget. And I believe that's why Paul prays this for them. It was true, these people were struggling at the time, and Paul prays that, I pray you will remember who you are. I pray you will be able to see beyond. I pray you remember your destiny. I pray you know that it does not end here. You are sons of God. One day, there will be a consummation and a redemption. Stay strong. That's what Paul was praying for these people. I pray you know the hope, the destiny, the position you have in Christ. But today, we speak to a different crowd. Of course, my heart is with you if you are struggling, and there may be some here who are struggling. But I think many of us are not struggling. And that destiny, how do we remember that? I think the thing to watch is the umbrella mentality. The umbrella mentality. If God is an object in your life, a shelter in your life only, then it is highly possible that during times, during good times, you will have a problem remembering your destiny. You will have a problem remembering the hope to which He has called you because many hope, many hopes creep into your life. This is, this is uh, Tan La Yong. Go, go and Google him and read up that, that thing he had. It's very inspiring. But what I wanted to tell you is the link to this, the hope to which He has called you, is the second thing. He prayed that your eyes may be enlightened so that you will know the hope, but He also prayed that you will know what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? Some of your version says, I hope that you will know the spiritual blessings you have in Christ. I don't think that is very accurate. I don't think that is very accurate. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance? Who's His? His is God's glorious inheritance. I pray you will know the riches of God's glorious inheritance in the saints. How do I, how do I interpret this? I pray you will know the value and the esteem God places on His people. That's how we read it. I pray that you will know how precious God's people are to God and should be to you. And I believe this is, this is where it links to the first part of our hope because as we spend ourselves, as we know the value of God's people, and spend ourselves on behalf of God's people, then I believe we will be like a Tan Lai Yong. 
the $20,000 budget. He's very wise to ask for the $20,000 and reject the $500,000 because he knows that if my life, I want to walk before God, I need to learn dependence on God. $500,000 is going to teach me dependence on money for a long time. Until it runs out, then I'll go back to God. And I think that's very wise. And I think, I think how do we learn dependence on God even when we are not in trouble? I think when you spend yourselves on behalf of God's people. When you value and esteem God's people and you take that sacrificial mile to serve God's people, I think that's where you will learn your true destiny. There will be a... Sorry about that. And in the first service, I, 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 I implored them. Um, there was a, um, a petition by pastor that we need to help out in refreshments. And I told them that when that, that incident was brought to the elders at our breakfast prayer meeting, uh, it broke my heart. It broke my heart that we are not even willing as CGs to take on refreshment duties. I read to them what is the... It's not relevant to you here because you don't, have to, you don't really do refreshment duties. But for them, I read out to them what is the standard operating procedure of doing uh, refreshments. And it's not rocket science. It is putting up six tables, putting some food... And um, to have to even say that we have 18 CGs, can we please just ask you all to do once and you don't have to do it for the next one and a half years, please. It breaks my heart. Do you value God's people? Do you value God's people? To me, that action tells me there is no value in God's people. There's no esteem of God's people. There's no extra mile. But if I do, they don't do how? That's the usual attitude. But only I come. My CG members never come. Then I say, I want to speak to all the CG members. Why you don't come? What is so difficult about getting up at 8.45, esteeming God's people and doing this thing one and a half years? Can you imagine if you do it today? You don't do it until 2015 October. And that's a high calling. Good grief. If that is a high calling, then I worry about your faith and your walk with God. Okay? So that, that's something I just want to share in my heart, that we need to value and esteem God's people. And, and Paul prayed that. Paul prayed that you all will accurately value and esteem God's people. They, they, they are worth the while. Jesus went to the cross for this church, for you and I. He's deemed that it was worth the while. We need to know that God's people are worth the while. Stop looking behind you and say, who else is serving? It is between you and God. What you can do. We're not asking you to serve 18 months. We're just asking you to take that one month. Never mind that the other 17 months we drink funeral water. But at least for that month that you serve, we get luncheon meat bun. That's what we're saying. We're not asking you to do 18 months. We're just saying that one month. 
I'm just trying to bring out the, 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 the ludicrous, ludicrous situation that we're in, uh, in this church, if we have to quibble about such things, that we have to outsource everything. The people of God are here to be entertained. Wrong number. Really wrong number. Wrong church. Wrong way of thinking. We need to esteem God's people properly. And yes, the last one is... This one also out of battery, is it? Can you click for me? The last one is as you serve God's people, you will realize you need supernatural strength. It is not easy to serve God's people. And that's why he prays that you will know God's power, God's resurrection power. You know, I just came back from a business trip and we were looking at um, possibly lending money to what we call wind farms. Wind farms are all these renewable energy. People put out windmills and when the wind blows, it generates electricity. And one of the things I learned is that you can't put up a wind farm anywhere. You've got to put it up in a wind belt. Right? So for example, in China, if you want to put up a wind farm, a good location is probably Heilongjiang. Right? And you can't just put it anywhere. You need, you, need, you need the place to have wind. In India, you probably have to put it up in Rajasthan or Gujarat or Maharashtra or Karnataka or Tamil Nadu. Right? They all sound like India to you, right? And that, that's the wind belt. And sometime back, I may have shared with this congregation, I really think that prayer is catching the wind of God. Prayer is catching the wind of God. And you want to catch the wind of God, guys, you need to be in the wind belt. What do I mean? My own experience with prayer, you need to set aside that time and that place to pray. No number of prayer series is ever going to do anything for you unless you tell God, I want to catch the wind of God. You need to be prepared to it. You need to be in the wind belt. I just ask the musicians to come up as we respond to God. <clears throat> Why don't we rise? As Ben leads us, I want to invite you to the altar that if today your desire is that God, I want you to revive my prayer life, then you come forward. Okay, maybe some of us have no prayer life to speak of so there's nothing to revive, right? I want you to, to cultivate a prayer life in me. You come forward. If anything else in the message speaks to you, uh, you are, of course, free to come forward. And, but, but this is the key thing I want. That if, if, you, if you tell the Lord, I want to be in the wind belt, I want to catch the wind of God in my life, I want to learn how to pray, revive that desire, Lord, you come forward as we worship God, okay? Because I want to pray for you. 
my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you. Your name is higher than all. 
sing this song as our prayer now. spirit of wisdom and of revelation that Lord we may know you better 
Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Flood the eyes of our hearts and our deepest conviction with light, Lord. I pray that you will birth convictions in our lives, things that drive us, Lord. Birth these things in our lives that, Lord, we will know the destiny. We will be sure of the hope to which you have called us, Lord. It will be constantly before us, Lord. We will gaze upon it with the eyes of our heart. The eyes of our heart will be seeing, Lord. It will be full of light. It will see, Lord, the hope that we have in Jesus. It will see the value that, Lord, you place, the esteem you place on us, your people, Lord. And we will know the power, the incomparably great power that raised Jesus from the dead for those who believe. So I pray for each and every one of us, your people, Lord, let this church rise up, Lord, in our prayer life. We want to raise up and catch the wind of God in our lives, Lord. We pray, Holy Spirit, you visit us as a congregation and as individuals, Lord. As we get ourselves into the wind belt, Lord, we want to catch the wind of God. This is our desire, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.